So the Dharma talk this morning or today is, uh, is the last of the six paramitas, although they've added more other texts, uh, add on uh, four more that align with uh, the boomies uh, of uh, um, uh, skillful means, vision, power, and wisdom. Um, so we won't go into those. If you want to look at those a little bit, the myth of freedom, Trungpa uh, Rinpoche covers those. He does a good job, but those are those are very difficult concepts. So I don't really uh, talk about it about those uh, much. Uh, not because I don't have an idea what they're about, but I don't know how helpful it is to continually just overload ourselves with all kinds of concepts about everything. Just the first six paramitas are it's quite a dose of concepts about something that is not conceptual at all. <clears throat> so the first uh, four paramitas are more about a skillful means kind of situation uh, that is actually talked about in the in the first of the additional four uh, paramitas. If you want to add on the seventh, that goes into skillful means. Starting out a little bit slow here because I want uh, to, as much as I can, to bring you into this in a way that doesn't just rattle off another bunch of ideas about prajna or pranya or wisdom or knowledge or on and on and on. Just there's so many circular and uh, ideas and concepts about this that continue to come back into what, what was that about kind of thing. I've been doing this for a while, so I end up there quite a bit myself. What was that about? What is that about? What does that really mean? So I think the important thing, let's start out with, uh, we have perceptions, things arise, our sixth sense fields, including the mind comes up, shows us this and that. And then, uh, uh, and then we have uh, concepts or conclusions or ideas or additions or subtractions about the, whatever is arising in our apparent body-mind complex. And it's, it just seems real. It just seems like we're here and we're us and we have all the other things that are happening in culture just continually reify, strengthen our positionality as someone who is maybe not doing so good, someone who's doing really great, or someone who's kind of in the middle, or someone who has this emotion or that emotion. It's up. I mean, it's just a, it's just a tangle of what suffering, difficulty, stress, unsatisfactoriness. So, prajna or the wisdom that crosses over the perfection of wisdom starts out as just being reasonable about it this cause that cause that but really this because of the causes and conditions that are arising here even though that person did this or did that that caused more difficulty still if you look back and you see there's more more ideas and things or causes and conditions or <clears throat> just look at our our upbringing how we were treated when we were very young how long it takes to kind of cut through that that mess uh, that's a, a kind of ordinary kind of prajna because it's still dealing with this and that and perception and conclusion and objection and agreement and still looking for some kind of a validation of the goodness of relative truth and how the goodness of relative truth has to come somehow get ahead of the relative diff uh, difficulty and overcome it and of course the the Buddha is pointing to something quite a bit different than that. Though it's the same thing. 
So the prajna, this, this insight, this uh, wisdom of Manjushri, the two-edged sword that cuts through uh, this as someone and that as something else or something other, the whole duality idea. That's what we're, what we are working with here. And without the first, uh, the first four paramitas, which are more about just trying to uh, take an attitude of uh, um, improving the relative stuff we see of greed and jealousy and impatience and, and lethargy and all that, trying to work with that in a way that, that brings our, our clarity that is also being um, fueled or supported by our mind training, by, by uh, uh, Zazen, Chikantaza, Shamata Vipassana, some kind of what is the, what what is arising? Just simplifying that down to where we're just watching, keeping it very simple. What what shows up? Look at that. It's hard to do that without some kind of a congratulations on how well you're doing. <clears throat> so Prajna uh, sees deeply into this. It doesn't it doesn't go into some kind of God realm and create some kind of wonderful uh, place that we're going to graduate to if we're if we just uh, are good uh, uh, good students. It actually begins to see the raw, rugged ed edges of this relative uh, pratitya samutpada. This sees the the raw edges of conditioned arising, and its ego starts to join in. sits in the seat next to wisdom and says, "I, I think I'm going to leave the theater. I'm going to get some popcorn. I don't know if I want to see this. This is too threatening to see that this is just made of food." <laughs> Simply put, there's just food. And when the food runs out or when the body, which is taking in the food, uh, runs down as it will, getting older, impermanence, that's not, that's not uh, negative or nihilistic. It's just true. So that's what this path is about. Let's look at the truth. Whatever that means, any addition that, oh, this is nihilistic, or we shouldn't think this way, or we need to have the power of positive thinking, or whatever. Let's just look at it. Let's see what it is. Let's be uh, brave, you could say. Or maybe stubborn, might be another word. I'm going to do this. I want to see what this says myself. This is what the Buddha did, as far as we know, if there even was a Buddha. So we tend to get deceived by our conditioning, most of the world is deceived by their conditioning. It's not that some people aren't relatively, really wonderful, great. Uh, I'm sure you've noticed that some people who seem to be totally great, wonderful people are completely confused about certain things. And then other people who seem to be kind of difficult and stressful to be around or whatever, yet are practicing the Dharma. Odd, isn't it? You think it's kind of odd that you don't have uh, some kind of a some kind of a cut and dried situation, and then you, as a practitioner, will talk to ten or fifteen people about this, and then you'll notice that it's it's so uh, um, discontinuous that we can't really make sense of it. If you look closely at anything without adding, you have to look at it and watch it rise. Whatever it is, it could be another person, could be what they're saying. Could be what you're remembering about what they said three minutes ago. It could be what they're what they're saying that someone next to you is commenting on what they're saying. Could be the news. Could be anything. You'll notice that everything is very, very discontinuous. This is this is difficult for the the uh, that aspect of the mind that thinks there is somebody who hasn't seen through 
the illusion of a separate self and a separate other does not see the truth or suchness or shunyata or tatata, whatever fancy word or, or simple word, just this. Past and future are added on in the front and the back that make it look like there's some kind of a ongoing situation where we're going to be safe. And we are going to be safe. We're already safe. You are already completely not threatened who you actually are, but who you think you are uh, might be a little uh, tentative. That's what I'm here to do. If I'm here to do anything, it's to encourage you to find out who you are, see who you are. Prajna, pranya, wisdom, knowledge. Please look at it. Look at it yourself. Out, if you go out in the world and try to do anything out there, I'm not saying you can't do things out there, but the, the, the dynamic that is happening there is so confused. It's so um, dependently arisen from the point of view of right and wrong and up and down and back and forth and all the relative truths that even though even the other spiritual paths are quite confused and buddhism is not free of that there there buddhism there's a lot of clamping down and belief we've got to do this way we've got a lockdown on a tradition that happened thousands of years ago because of some kind of cultural structure that happened there that is not necessary this doesn't mean you can stop meditating though Meditation is very simple. There is no right, wrong meditation. It's you. You sit down and, and look at this, and you might need to do a hell of a lot of it. So as I think I said earlier, Prajna is, can start out as just a relative, just kind of being pretty intelligent about what's happening, just a kind of understanding about things coming and going, seeing that nobody's fundamentally to blame for things. But we still haven't transcended the polarity. We're still hooked on right and wrong. We still think some people are bad people and some people are pretty good people. There's no difference between uh, Buddha and Mara. And they're also not the same. That's why it's so difficult for us to see that because we are as uh, imputed individuals living a life in a particular place, in a particular country, in a particular century, in a particular community, in a particular culture, we think this is real. We think we think we're here. We think we have some say so. Maybe. But you have the first four of um, generosity, uh, discipline or morality, um, patience, energy. And then you get to dhyana, meditation or samten. And you and then you the, the first ones are ways that kind of attitudes of how to work with this. We've talked about already. And then meditations where you just stop everything and you just look. And then with that, the, with the whole uh, uh, combination uh, coming along and, and everyone's working with that in a different way, then, then we sit down and we look at it. And then this is when we begin to uh, actually move into the world. First, we sit down and we just receive. You have to do a lot of the receiving. And then at some point or points, or maybe there's no point, or maybe there's 15 points. Points are not the point. At some point, you actually see what this is. You see not to. You see suchness. And it's ordinary. It's ordinary. It's not some special uh, feeling. 
like I brought to Trungpa Rinpoche in uh, 1975. One of the dimensions has collapsed, Rinpoche. What does that mean? So he told me it's a seed of enlightenment. It went away, it never came back. It was an experience. It was a powerful, overwhelming experience, but it wasn't this. It's a, it's a, in the Japanese tradition, it's called makyo, illusion. But you might need those illusions to, so that you can have some kind of entry into a fundamental reality of that there's nothing is separate from anything else, anyway. It's devastating to ego if there's anything left called the ego. So it's unproduced like all the other paramitas, they might start out as relative. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be more patient. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to work on the energy situation. I'm going to try to be more giving and understanding. And, you know, the, the one of the best givings uh, is to give everything your attention. Dana paramita. It's not just about handing people money or protecting people or even teaching them, them the Dharma. As it is traditionally talked about. I think there's three of them there. It doesn't matter. We can we can use if you use that if you want to use that and you can use it. We can talk about it. Unproduced, anupadika. Uh, so unproduced. So that means that that it doesn't arise. So it's it's not produced. So wisdom isn't produced. It doesn't. So nothing shows up. It's unproduced. And to be very literal literal about it all these uh, paramitas uh, that's why they're called perfections because they are they're perfect there's nothing to correct because there isn't anything there they are empty of anything you think about them and they're broken down into these parts or steps or stages just like the 12 of the 10 boomies or the 12 boomies uh, or the four additional paramitas of uh, um, upaya pranidana bala and Inana. Skillful means vision, power, and wisdom. I don't have them memorized. Go ahead, Chazan. Chazan, I was wondering what that difference was between Prashnya and Shnana, and how it seems that they are sometimes used in reverse orders, depending on who's mm-hmm. yeah. talking or writing about it. Bowing. So the, the last one is a Dharma Mega or cloud of Dharma of the, of the Bhumis or of the last four Paramitas that aren't, are not often mentioned, or at least not a lot that I don't mention other than now. So wisdom is just, it's, it's, it's cloud of Dharma. So there's nothing, to relative truth, it looks like a cloud because there isn't anybody that knows anything and there isn't anything that they know. So it's a cloud Dharma Mega. So that's the, Tenth one, and that uh, uh, as a, pra, uh, a prajna, that's still that's still an operational situation happening. So there's still there's still a, a, a bodhisattva there, who he she they are still are still uh, in motion in some way as doing something with something else. So the elseness is still there. So it's still it's it's a uh, very um, uh, it's very subtle, and the difficulties that uh, the the what do we call the um, the afflictions become more and more and more subtle the longer we're on the path, the longer we practice, and it happens differently with different people. 
So they become, sometimes someone starts practicing and they're doing pretty good. And all of a sudden they just, they just have great difficulty with, uh, uh, with uh, uh, jealousy. It wasn't there before they had that, had that taken care of. And all of a sudden coming out of a, a, a you thought was a closet door and it's a whole warehouse. And it is your, that you have not for either this lifetime or 20 lifetimes has not, have not dealt with aggression. And so now you're, everything is triggering you. You know, you all know what I'm talking about. I'm not saying you're flying into a rage or killing anybody, but, but intense kind of just anything that doesn't go your way, you immediately present attribution. You immediately blame maybe yourself, maybe others. So the Dharma Mega or the wisdom aspect of it doesn't see anything else. It, it, it's so complete. It is so perfect that it, even, even aggression, anything can happen. It does not mind. And it doesn't abandon anything that is happening for some kind of ideal thing that is not aggressive. Someone who's experiencing aggression who doesn't understand what it, what it, what it is will either shut down on it, ignorance, blame someone else, uh, passion. Uh, blame themselves, passion, or actually come right out with, you're the one, you did it, you're the person. If it weren't for you, I wouldn't have this kind of a feeling. Nothing has changed here. There's just no one here. So therefore, if you want to see an emotion, I can manifest it. And I'm not a good actor. It's not an act. That, that emotion is available all the time to me and to you. But it has to, it has to come out of a, a complete, deep, deep understanding that there is no one here. Nothing is produced. Even the anger is unproduced. It's a magical display. It's a, it's a lightning. It's a comet. Over Brittany. <laughs> Bowing. What are the natures of the wisdom mind and the ordinary mind bowing? The wisdom mind really isn't a mind. And the ordinary mind is uh, grasping, rejecting, finding, locating, evaluating, discriminating, pushing up, pushing down, fussing around, materialistic, looking for results, looking for, and that, that goes on right up. Uh, and through the paramitas all the way to the liberation that will show up until we see that there isn't anything else. As long as you think there is something else, then you, me, I will have a slight grasping of something, a slight little opinion about somebody, what they said or what they did, rather than see everybody who's in front of you is, is uh, the awakened one. You have to, have to see it. We have to see it ourselves. I have to see it. You have to see it. We have to see what this is. If you don't, you'll not only suffer yourself, you'll cause others to suffer. So slow down, slow down, look closely, jump to no conclusions, just say it very relative. Anything you're concluding is ignorance. Anything that needs concluding will conclude itself just because of the nature of dependent origination. This is none of your business. And yet it's completely your business. If you realize what this is, then there isn't anything that isn't your business. But to start with, let's let's back up a quarter of an inch and just look at the 
at the stage set. Just look who's what's coming in here, what's coming there, and notice the tendency to want to grasp some kind of a program about what's happening. Some kind of a program. Say, who who is that character? Have I seen them before? Uh, is this uh, uh, who's the director here? Is there a director in this play of, of this, the mind, the stage of my mind? What's happening in my mind right now relative to my neighbors, relative to anything? Further questions are welcome. Yeah, Maria Boeing, you yes. said that wisdom mind is not a mind. So what is it? Um, no mind. <laughs> I mean, you, we can go in and bounce back and forth there or not. There's no, there's no, we can call it uh, suchness. We can call it uh, Buddha nature. We can give it kinds of names, but you, you're not going to be able to track it down particularly because you're not separate from it. It, it, it doesn't have the quality of being something else or something other or this or that. We have to work with it some way. So this is why we have the paramitas, which are very strong concepts about the way we're functioning. And generosity, patience, energy, meditation, knowledge. Maria Bowing, when you say no mind, uh, does it mean that it's empty of the mind, free of the mind? Bowing? Yes and no. You can't be totally free or we can't talk about it. So it's it's both and neither. This is why this is why uh, Nagarjuna came on, uh, you know, a couple of millennia ago and said, and just kind of destroyed philosophy. Although the philosophers won't agree with them because they want us to keep thinking up stuff. But the tetralemma, not this, not that, not both, not neither. So end of discussion. That doesn't mean we shouldn't continue to study it, but we should include that kind of understanding with our discussion. Like when we study uh, different Buddhist texts and so on, just include that you, you the, the whole right and wrong situation or correct and incorrect is uh, should keep that in mind as we're studying and, and seeing that some ways of pointing to the Dharma and other ways of pointing to the Dharma are different or have a different tone to them or different resonance. Some people really resonate resonate with uh, the 30 verses of Asabandhu. Some people really resonate with uh, with Dogen. Some people resonate so much with Dogen, they don't even want to listen to me. They just want to listen to Dogen. I know someone like that. They just, they think that the whole thing is in Dogen. So that's what they're doing. Is that wrong? No, it's not wrong at all. Can't, I can't compete with Dogen. And I'm, not that I'm competing. So, Gurdwani, what is the importance of the reference to the I with prajna or seeing or looking or um, looking upon bowing? I'm not sure how uh, where your how your question is arising particularly, but I would just say that uh, there's no nothing wrong with I with that with that as an identity or I'm doing this or doing, looking at this or not looking at this. Uh, it's just that it's it's not it's insubstantial. I was talking about the sense organ of the eyeball. Oh, that eye. 
What about it? It seems as though prajna is referred to is is metaphorically referred to as the great seeing eye, or. Mm-hmm. Well, it, yeah, it, I'm wondering. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, I can comment on it. I, I think the the of all the sense fields, the the one that is the most uh, kind of abstract. Uh, this doesn't mean that someone who who doesn't have uh, sight or doesn't have vision isn't isn't tied up in the concepts, but the particular one of sight tends to really make things look separate. Uh, they're they're you're here and it's over there, whereas smell is very intimate, taste is very intimate, hearing is quite intimate. Even though it's over there, it's still we're hearing it, and, and some kind of sense of location shows up uh, for that. That is a uh, that, that shows us that we're separated in a way that is more subtle and even intimate than seeing. And of course, uh, thinking process, receiving thoughts, uh, seeing trees, uh, hearing birds, uh, smelling flowers, and all of those are, have a different level of what I call, what I'm going to call uh, now intimacy. But seeing is very, uh, it's very Vajra-like. It's very conceptual. I mean, I'm here and that's over there. So we can separate. This is where the intense uh, um, racism and everything, because we, we operate about how, how we look, how we appear. And that's, uh, so when we use the idea of uh, seeing or wisdom, the wisdom eye, uh, it's just, you're, I don't know how to put it anymore literally, but I'm going to do it. And I'll just, if you have questions, please ask me about it. I have to say it this way. And it may not be helpful to you, but it may, may show you how difficult this is to present this but I'm, I'm not seeing something else. I, I don't see other people. Of course, I see you. I relate to you. But I relate to you as you think you are. I meet people where they're at. I don't sit back and say, stop acting like that. You're the Buddha, you dodo. What would you think a Buddha would think? The Buddha would kick your ass for acting like that. I mean, I could do that. That's probably not going to help. I, mean, I might make it with a, a bunch of 15-year-olds. But I'm saying that I'm seeing... I'm seeing it. I don't teach out of what I've been taught. I mean, I can't hardly remember what the the paramitas are. I have to go back and remind myself what they are because I don't really use them. I did for a long time, but I don't anymore unless I need to teach. And then I have to think, oh, this is a great construct. It certainly helped me. And I don't remember being helped by it. I'll say that again. I don't recall being helped by studying but what I see is how valuable that is. I see how more valuable that is now than I did when I was actually doing it. When I was doing it, I had no idea. I was just going by. My teacher said, do this. And because I, I don't know how else to say it, I trusted him. I'm not asking you to trust me. That's up to you. I would say don't trust anybody. But you may need some help. I certainly did. So I'm seeing what I'm trying to tell you about. I, I don't I don't know what progeny means. I have no idea what patience is. I'm probably impatient all the time. I'm not concerned with it. I don't need to show up as somebody else. So which I keep saying, don't miss your life. I get to be my life. I'm kind of astonished that I'm even doing this. Because my life, to begin with, was extremely ragged. And I'm not saying that yours wasn't maybe more ragged or difficult than mine. But I'm pretty astonished that I'm doing this.
But I would not be doing this if it weren't that I listened to somebody and I, and I gave them the benefit of that out or I trusted them and I did what they said. You could call that slavery if you wanted to. I don't care what it is. I call it liberation. And you're, what are you liberated from? <laughs> Everything. You're, you're, liber you're liberated from else, something else. It's an astonishing situation that is flat out ordinary and, and a complete miracle at the same time. Everything you see is uh, uh, completely transcendent and not separate from the Buddha and uh, may smell terrible. So it's a, it's a, it's a kind of witnessing that just as once it starts to show up that way, uh, it just keeps going and has a, you could say a life of its own. And, you, and you're not concerned with uh, with a destination anymore. You're not concerned with getting better. If you have negative feelings, if you have a, a tooth falling out, or if you have a, a have a lightning bolts in your leg, I'm not saying they don't hurt or they aren't problematic, but they're not really a big deal. Uh, nothing is particularly a big deal. This doesn't mean, again, that you wouldn't have negative feelings coming and going. But as I've said this many times, and I'm trying to help you by saying this, that don't get rid of your negative feelings. You don't have to get rid of anything, even though the paramedias look like you're trying to be more patient, you're trying to be more generous. You're trying. To, those are all relative situations, but they are they are unproduced. They start out being produced because you have to work with it relatively, but eventually there isn't anyone to be patient. So patience may be there and it may not. Someone else might think, you seem to be very patient. You seem, this is, you know, oh, thank you for waiting. I'm sorry I kept you waiting. And you won't, you won't do anything other than say, oh, that's okay, yeah, I'm okay. But you, you may notice that, you know, they could have never showed up and you'd be fine. <laughs> that's the odd thing about it. It's like, I had a person, uh, get a hold of me that I haven't talked to in five years who, and I think I mentioned her uh, yesterday or the day before who actually called because of her connection with me, felt like she was going to disconnect, needed to call and ask me permission to disconnect, which I thought was very, uh, pretty amazing. That doesn't ha happen often. Usually people just, I don't hear from them anymore. She's probably studying under some kind of real great shaman somewhere or something. Go ahead, Chodo. Chodo Bowing. When you say you don't see something else, could you help point to the area where we are seeing something else? Sure. You're projecting on everybody. Anybody you see, you have ideas about them, who they are, what they're up to, and you think there's someone there because you think there's someone here. And it might be someone here who's practicing the Dharma, someone here who's trying to uh, studying to be a, a monk, getting going to be ordained, who's studying the paramitas, who's working with that, who's listening to a, this person, a teaching person, which which is representative, not not the same as we're talking about the historical Buddha. I'm talking about the what the Buddha pointed at it shows up as a human being. It shows up all the time. It's just that if you don't realize it, then you're not going to be able to talk about it. Or if you do talk about it and you don't realize it, you think you realize it, then this is called a charlatan. That's what Trungpa Rinpoche called them. Now, if you're aware that you're what you're doing, then you could function as a as a Dharma teacher on different levels. So you could still teach people to meditate, help them, uh, um, promote them. But if you think you're awake, 
and you're going to teach out of your wonderful uh, enlightenment, your Mahasamadhi. And then that's just more thinking about stuff. It's just more high, maybe a very high level of relative truth, but it's still untrue. It's ultimately untrue. It's relatively true for as long as it lasts, but it, it can't last because it's relative. So it's uh, it's uh, conditioned, conditioned arising. It's uh, pratitya samvipada. Not bad, just there. Chiso, you have a question? Kishobami? Yes, I did. Um, so uh, how do we practice with these parameters? Do we just pick up one of them over a period of time and observe how we react to the parameters? How, how would we work with it? I think it's a... It's a great question, and I, I, I may I probably wouldn't mention it without your question. So I really appreciate the question. Uh, these questions are good. We we do this together. I don't sit back and know a bunch of stuff. I'm going to talk to you about any. The hardest thing for me to do bef just before I get in here is to try to. I have no premonition of what I'm going to talk about, other than I just sent uh, uh, Junchu the name. And the only reason I'm doing this is somebody asked me, "Will you talk about the Paramitas?" It was Jessica, wasn't it? <laughs> well, Jessica, I think you noticed I didn't call you Jennifer. I want credit. <laughs> so I would, what I would say here, uh, Chisho, is, is you, may, you may work on just one of those. One of them you may be reflecting on. You may write it down. You may reflect on that. As it says in Atisha's Seven Points of Mind Training, um, I don't remember which slogan, but work on the greatest defilements first. And so I, I would, even though I might know what yours is or have an idea what it is, I trust you to see that. So, uh, you know, if I, if I think that probably the best parameter for you to work on would be, uh, I'm just going to throw one out there, just the first one, uh, generosity, which I don't particularly think is that would, that would be uh, um, um, so much of an issue or, or you know, you, you need to look at, you know, how, how greedy you are or whatever. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, but I think each person, if you want to use the parameters, then go ahead and go through them, read about them, listen to what I'm saying about them. Uh, read uh, Trunk Rinpoche talks about them in all over the place. Well, especially in, uh, he talks about them somewhat in Cutting Through and Myth of Freedom. Uh, quite a bit, of, he connects the parameters uh, with, uh, um, connects the paramitas with uh, the bumis, the 10 bodhisattva bumis. Uh, and, you know, and they're, they're, it, like I said earlier, I, I don't do too much for that because it's just so many concepts. And it's just we, we tend to get into so much conceptual uh, foliage that we're in some kind of a jungle of and it looks real. It looks concrete. It looks like it makes sense. There's a tree. There's a limb. There's a branch. But there's so many of them. And they're all pointing to what? Some aspect of the teaching that is that especially scholars want to promote that because they're very good at that. So, but if you're sitting in front of me, that means you want to wake up to what this is. If you wake up to what this is, Buddhism vanishes. Buddhism is a raft. And once you get to the proverbial uh, image, visual of the other shore, you don't need a raft. If you're dragging it around with you, it's going to be kind of odd. But if you, if you find that someone asks you for your help, even though you may not think of yourself as a Dharma teacher, or as uh, enlightened, particularly, uh, the, the raft appears, the paramita appears, and, and you, you hear yourself respond because there's no longer a solid being anywhere. 
you you hear yourself respond and it may be stop sitting don't sit for a few weeks and you don't you don't have any backup plan like i don't know why i'm saying that to him i should be meditating but you you hear it because you're you meet the person where they're at and there will be no evidence that you're meeting them where they're at other than if there's uh, any shrapnel or bare bones of ego or self-centeredness still worrying about things in there which there probably will be that aspect could show up as i have no clue what i even said that so it's a it's a there's no as long as there's an as long as we're embodied uh, it's going to be pretty hard to completely transcend this world so you would be working on uh uh when i say paramita maybe not the paramitas you know, I know right now that you're studying with uh, other people with uh, Kozan and uh, Mayun, studying uh, 30 verses together. That, that's a that's a powerful set of concepts that just uh, if you keep bringing your relative mind into that area, it's just like uh, it just like tends to dissolve things without your permission. You know, just you can feel that uh, the way that works. So that may uh, be a good area, but you also might. If you read through the Parmitas and hear what they say, one might resonate. You might go more into that particular one. But it's not so much about studying that, the Paramita, uh, Paramita of Virya. It's about thinking about what Virya is and how that shows up for you and, and how, how that is for you. And maybe contemplating that aspect of your life for a, for a while. Just uh, what, what is what is Virya or what is, uh, uh, what is it, Sandru? What is the energy level of what, what, what is it? You know, is there, a, is there a lazy person here? Is there a person who's really energetic? Is there, are there ways that I seem to have more energy for no, with no apparent push? Just the energy is there. I sometimes say that before I come in to do this, uh, to talk to people about this, uh, I, I might be just half asleep. Or not, no, have no idea. But as soon as I, as soon as I have questions from people, I get all kinds of energy, especially considering uh, my age, my health, and all those things. It's pretty hard to shut me down. Even the, even Zoom. Have you noticed? When Zoom shuts me down, you notice that I keep right on talking. <laughs> <laughs> and then I notice there's nobody there. When you says you're. They're not listening to you anymore. Thanks for bowing. Go ahead, Kevin. Oh, no, no, no. You go ahead. Oh, no, 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 no. You. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay. Uh, Thanks for bowing. How do we not get trapped in the relative sense of the parameters? Uh, say, I think I'm being generous. How do I not just stop there? Just Bowing. okay. Thank you, Sato. Just uh, just notice the trap. I mean, if you're able to tell me about it and, in a question and ask about it, then I'm going to return you to the area you perhaps just tried to abandon. There's not be that way. Not be that way. It's a little bit embarrassing, especially in our own to be embarrassed when nobody even knows about it. Kind of embarrassed that we're we're trying to we're trying to be a better person who doesn't get trapped. Uh, in that way, uh, I would say just go back and allow yourself to be that way. You don't have to operate and you don't have to lock and load and do something uh, expressive of that particular situation. But you go back and just 
allow yourself to, to and, and see the, the nature of the defense. See, watch how you defend yourself or watch how you promote something that is a, uh, could be somewhat harmful, not only to yourself, but to someone else. So get to know yourself. This is what Trunk Rinpoche was saying when he said, make friends with yourself. How do you do that? Sit down and look at the, what? The, the oligarch that's in the seventh consciousness. That, that one who does not want to lose, does not want to look bad, and wants credit. It's uh, it's just the me feeling, and it's intense. It, it sometimes gets more intense the more we don't appear so self-centered or, to, or egotistical to others. Uh, but but we're starting to really see it. And as we begin to really see it, we we're not going to shut down on it. We're not going to promote it. We're not going to do anything. So it's called the path, and it's uh it's. Difficult Buddha Dharma Sangha, an incredible formula for dealing with this teaching person what's being taught community. I emphasize that over and over again. So I'm, I might as well be a Theravadan or a pulmonologist. Similar. Kevin Bowing. Yes. So, Kazan, relatively, I've heard the Paramitas taught antidotes to neurosis or negativity when we find our relative room closet of anger is a yep. warehouse is just being willing to look at that and sit with that energy the paramita of say patients for example i think i think you're very close to that i would say that's the way that's the kind of quality that begins to arise but even that, uh, I would say, don't maintain that as, as, oh, I must be doing this right. If there's some kind of self-validating situation, have a willingness to just not know and just be, be lost in the wilderness because we are. We are lost. We, we, we keep looking at the we keep bringing up little things that are supposed to save us, like a compass. You know, if you don't know where you're going, a uh, compass is meaningless. It's just that if you, if you don't know what it is, you show a compass to a four year old. And they might be interested, but their interest and your interest are quite a bit different. You actually think it's going to help you. They just want to chew on it. <laughs> so the idea of there is just a, however it comes. Notice that your mind, your attitude will, will fluctuate. So when I say uh, sitting meditation practices, watch what moves. That's also true for post-meditation as long as you don't enforce it. Just, just watch what moves in post-meditation. And, and be uh, kind, be generous to any negative feeling that's coming this way or leaving or coming through the, the, the warehouse door. Just be friendly. This, there, there's nothing is threatened. Who you are is not threatened. And that, that's difficult to see if you're looking in a red eyes of a dragon. And so there's a question here from... Uh, uh, Austin in the YouTube says... Uh, I can read it if that's helpful. Okay. Austin asks, from your vantage of not separate, who is asking this question? You, you are. You're asking the question. Didn't you just ask the question? Yeah, not easy. You're asking the question. Oh, you meant me. I see. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm asking it. And who am I? Not separate. 
So that's why I really get to ask it. That's why it's that's why the confidence is unconditional. It's so unconditional. I'm ready to <laughs> cash in my chips. There's nowhere to go. <laughs> realize it. Realize it. Find out who you are. Sit down and don't take anything for an answer. No, nothing else. So I could say one of the ways I say it is the the, 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 the question is asking the question or the that the quality of the consciousness itself is asking a question. Jim Chibine. Joseph asks, mm -hmm. what is evidence? What is the battle over evidence that seems to continually manifest in news and social media? Yeah, it's just, uh, it's just in intense belief, belief in separation and right and wrong. It's not that there isn't a relative right. Sure, some people are on one end of the spectrum and some people are on the other. Don't go to war. Don't go to peace. I'm not saying you shouldn't go out and carry signs if you feel moved to do that. But make sure you're really aware of what you're up to. And it's difficult because it's confusing. The world is not going to make itself better. I'm not saying it won't improve and get better and be pretty good, but without a spiritual path, without understanding the deep, deep nature of reality and thinking that there is a world and that there are bad people and good people. And that can show up in uh, that kind of prejudice is all over the place. It's not just uh, 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 the uh, black people and white people. I mean, God, that's a really obvious one. Or indigenous people or all the other, anybody who looks anything other than like an old man like me who is white. We, we don't, it's, it's so, it's just invisible. We don't see that we're, we're, we think we're, us white guys think we're somebody. And those other people are just a, just the help. It's just an intense, intense situation. So, but it's very hard to go in at the surface of the problem and start hammering tool or hammering tongue, trying to change the surface of it. It's, it's way down deep where this is coming from from, and I'm, I have to say it this way because I, I don't know how else to say it. I don't believe in past lives. I don't believe in future lives. I don't believe in lives. I don't believe in anything, but I don't ignore anything and I don't disbelieve anything. And I highly recommend it. It's a, it's a mind like the sky. Things come and things go. You don't miss anything, but you don't attach, cling, shove out, push on close down on anything. And that's challenging when the world is coming apart and you're watching it. Because it, the illusion of other is powerful and it, it causes us to believe we're a body that's threatened. And it's not that we're not, especially if your karma brought you into this life as a person who is, uh, who is at the, the negative end of prejudice or brought you into this world who's at the, shall we call it the positive end of prejudice, the one who is being prejudiced. Both of those are very difficult and you can't just go to war with the other one to try to get peace. Don't do it. How, what do you do as, as I've, put, I've quoted this over and over again, because I, I think it's a great quote because quote, it's such a strong image and it's a very simple way. Uh, the, the poet Kabir uh, said, uh, 
uh, in uh, a century or two ago, whenever it was. Uh, if inside your heart you have a loaded gun, how can you have God? Unload the gun. And how do you do that? You see that you have a loaded gun to start with. And then maybe maybe the continuing to use that image, maybe it starts to melt or disappear or you, you stop uh, reinforcing it. You don't even have to get rid of it if you see it's unreal. And it's a, and it's a, a misunderstanding. The, the word I like to use is a misunderstanding of the incredible nature of this, uh, of this world. The astonishing, uh, precious human birth brought us in here and brought us all together on this day. It's, it's just flat out magic. It's auspicious coincidence that we met, that you met each other uh, on this kind of a, of a, a mandala. As I say often, if you're, if you're listening to me because of what I've done or been through or what I'm saying, if you're listening to me, you're probably ready to hear this. You're probably ready to awaken. And, but you, it's not just going to occur. It's something you have to look at. Further questions? Jisho. Um, so when you say that you don't know what you're going to talk uh, when you come into this session, but you're still aware that you're not, uh, you don't know. That's also a shred of awareness, it feels like. Is working with parameters something like that, uh, ultimately, uh, Sobhana? Yes. Uh, it is. So quite often I'll, I'll make some notes, like some notes, and then I won't read them. I'll think, well, I'll write this and think, well, I'll, you know, and then I'll set them down and then I just talk, end up talking and I, I notice that I might have looked at the note for something. But I, I, it looks like somebody else wrote it. I don't know where that came from. Is this yours? It's odd. It's an odd thing. That's why I like uh, I like questions because uh, I don't really know what to say. But if you, any one of you, come to me and ask me about something because I kind of because I'm getting to know you and I'm seeing the way in which you keep squirreling away the things you don't want to look at, and 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 I, I'm not I, I'm not in a position where I can come out and just you need to do this or that. Although I, on occasion I've done that. A question from Austin again from YouTube. Yes. Do questions always miss the mark in an absolute sense? No. No, the 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 question and the response is absolute. It's not separate. The question's not separate. So not separate. They have a, their relative nature, but this is why, uh, even in the, in the Zen tradition, this is an ancient tradition. It's called a, a mundo, or talking about uh, uh, the student and the teacher talking, not just uh, conversationally, particularly, you know. Uh, 
spreading gossip particularly, but interacting around the question and answer is very important. That's what this quality is. I do that as I call it mountains and rivers so that it's doesn't, isn't tied down by the, so much by uh, Mondo concept. But yes, absolute. Doesn't, there's no mark. Even if there's no answer. In ancient times, uh, because of the teaching styles from different centuries and different cultures and so on, sometimes uh, no answer at all was the answer. And sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is yes. And this is why they use these logical uh, kung ans or cons. Does a dog have the Buddha nature? Moo. Which is, doesn't mean it's a cow. It means it's empty. But you could you could say you could you could speak speak about it either uh, either way. What's the one from? Uh, could you read the one from Joseph? Did you really, I did earlier. I can read it again if you'd like. Uh, There's another question from Austin. Is it possible to ask a non-conceptual question? What would it sound like? You just ask it. That was a question. And you were asking if it's possible to ask one. And so I just turned that into a non-conceptual question. You just asked it. No answer for that. There's no answer for any question. It's just uh, it's just a participating in the play of phenomena. No self in the this form, feeling, perception, concept, consciousness not, do not add up to a person. I'm not saying there's not a, a food body here that needs more food. Well, today I'm not going to have any food, but I'll still breathe oxygen. Shoka bowing. Shoka. How do questions point us towards where to look if there's no answer? Well, I'm saying there's, of course, there's an answer. I'm just saying that because of the what was asked about absolute. So if you try to find any kind of reference point out of it. Uh, but yeah, you, you ask a question and I'm going to, I'll be reasonable. I'll, I'll respond to your question as best I can. Your problem is you just don't ask the right questions. That's your problem. <laughs> what are the right questions? Keep asking. I'll let you know. Next time you ask the right question, I'll give you a thumbs up. But I won't do it if there are other people there because I, I don't want to flood your self-centeredness with praise. I'll wait till nobody's there. And then you'll have to tell everybody you got a thumbs up. There's another question from Joseph. Yes. Is putting the gun down a way to look at it? 
well, using that metaphor, yeah, you don't you don't have to throw it away or do something, but yeah, just uh, I would say yes, as, a, as the way in which you're understanding it. It might might be very difficult to do that without a really strong awareness practice. Uh, you personally, Joseph, are a very very conceptual person. You 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 actually live in on a conceptual uh, construct. So I'm not not uh, I'm not. Uh, uh, commenting on your intelligence, you know, if I were to do that, I would say you're a lot smarter than I am, which is not a compliment to description. But I would say, be careful that you you make sure that when you lay the gun down, you don't know what you're doing, because if you know what you're doing, then you're getting a credential. I'm putting my gun, or in this case, my kotsu down. That's that's a that's a that's a uh, that doesn't function as as uh, uh, dealing with a loaded gun. That functions as as um, doing something. You don't have to look at the loaded gun. So what am I saying here? I'm saying it might be better to just stare at that gun for a couple of years. How do you do that? Face the wall. Sit down, hold still, watch what moves. And that gun image, if you're using that, will show up. And what will show up is how much aggression you have. You can't just take aggression in the form of the loaded gun and put it down. What that metaphor is meant for uh, is uh, to help you see that you have a loaded gun, a loaded gun. So seeing that gun, if you see it, uh, there may be a putting down quality to it. You may describe it that way. You might write a poem about it. But the, the, just that the aggression, uh, you just there's, there's no one any longer who's aggressive. So it's just a way of talking about it to get you get your attention to the aggression. But the fundamental situation is the identity of someone who has a loaded gun, not just a loaded gun. We need to look at that first so that we can go say, what what is uh, who is the scaredy cat here that's walking around with a a lock and load mentality? And as you've heard me say probably hundreds of times, how do I know? Here, that's how I know. Hakaran, you have a question? I saw your screen change. Hakaran bowing, no questions. Okay, thank you. Any other? We're past time, but I can take another question if there is one. Maria Belling. Is Maria? Is immediacy the same as awareness? Um, is immediate? Immediacy the same as awareness? Yeah, there's, there's. I think there's something to that, but we can't, we can't necessarily. Uh, validate it or use it as a credential or use it as proof or use it as uh, anything. But yeah, it's just this. You just receive whatever's in front of you, the computer. The, and and over time, we begin to notice how we're not really receiving what's in front of us. We're receiving what we think is in front of us. And of course, the, the intense version of that is other, as we believe in duality. We believe that we are separate. We're better or sometimes we're worse than others. Uh, just like I said, uh, Joseph is smarter than I am. That's that's not a it's not an evaluation. It's not a compliment. It's just true. 
I'm very aware of my thinking process and from talking to him and listening to him talk over the years off and on, uh, he's, uh, handles concepts with a, a, a much more crisp and, uh, way than, than I'm, uh, than I do or am able to. It's awareness. It's not an evaluation on anything. I can tell the difference between a pine tree and a maple tree, but I don't think the pine tree is better. Just like, I don't think Joseph is somehow a really wonderful person and I'm a stupid yard bird. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> Did you yes. There's a question from Raphael in New York. There are so many spiritual teachings, each one, whether directly or indirectly, claiming to be the best way for awakening. It's so easy to get confused and lost in sea of information. Is there any clear way to know if one is going in a good direction for awakening and not sinking in concepts and teachings? A fantastic question. And uh, it's a fantastic question. I would say, uh, trust yourself. Don't trust anybody else. Don't believe a word I say, including that one. Believe nothing. The belief is what traps us. We think, oh, this maybe this will work. Maybe this will work. No shopping. Don't don't. I'm not saying you shouldn't listen to what a Dharma teacher is saying or listening, but listen to what I'm saying or listen to what uh, Muji or Adyashanti or uh, the Dalai Lama or or the Karmapa or all the other people that are teaching awareness practice and meditation. I mean, it's all over the place now. It's just the world is flooded with that kind of thing. So you could look around, but I wouldn't jump to conclusions about anything. Don't do anything unless you have to. You don't have to train your mind. Don't do it. Probably won't hear that too often. That being said, if, if you have a connection with this uh, person, uh, you'll know it. And, uh, then that's it's up to you from there on. If you have a connection with uh, uh, with uh, an, an, another Dharma teacher, as I said, uh, His Holiness Dalai Lama, or maybe one of his students, or or maybe someone you're already, maybe you're somebody you're already studying under. I would say, you know. There's certain ways, uh, just that you can ask that question tells me you're pretty sensitive to red flags. You're pretty sensitive to when someone's actually, they're about, uh, they might've worked on themselves a lot. They might have a lot of polish and a lot of pizzazz, but there's something uh, not so true about what they're doing. They seem to be more interested in manipulating students and getting more students by functioning a certain way or making promises or whatever. Anytime you hear any promise from any Dharma teacher, Keep on going. Further question, if you have it. Shogabang, there's a, a question in the Zoom group chat from Melissa. Yes, Melissa. If I'm being aggressive with frustration in a sports game, am I being competitive or a loaded gun? Melissa Bowen. Oh, it could be a little uh, that we're our whole... Uh, our whole sports thing, it depends on who's playing. Some people are very much very playful and it's very much a play or a game. And they're really trying to use their ability or strength or accuracy or 
um, being able to handle whatever that is in a, in a way that's uh, that's interesting, that's challenging, that's fun, that uh, has a, a competition to it that's not based on warfare or anger or hatred. And then there's other ones where it goes over and gets too gets too difficult. A little bit of fun around that is is good. And so I think that you would know when you win or lose uh, how, how much uh, uh, anger may come up or jealousy. If you're if you're just working with that, if you're just aware of that, as you hear me say over and over again, it's about awareness. It's not about improving. If somebody's telling you you need to improve or get better, even if he's studying the, the the paramitas, this is about an attitude. And if you're not ready to, I'm not, it's not like forced patience. It's about seeing how impatient you are. That's how you train your mind. It's about seeing how greedy you are. That's how we train generosity. The other way is, uh, I say on the cushion is say, um, give everything that moves your attention. That's the, the beginning of generosity is to give, not to receive. Unless you're receiving, in which case then it's received. Are we good? Dedicate to merit. We can dedicate to merit in the monastery, if you would, please. And just to remind everybody, this Saturday will be our all-day retreat virtually. So, if people want to join; they can join virtually through the for the all-day. Yes. Thank you for all of your questions. Very good. Appreciate the help. be happy and I'll read a few more of these if I can que siempre seas feliz um, puisez-vous toujours être yanni yongyan yongyan kailu mugus mugus do immer glücklich sein <laughs> that's about all I can do today thank you <laughs> 